I needed to not skate by for once in my life, and they didn't let me. At the end of the day, if you know that you don't feel good about the job, you got to be able to leave that behind. They just kept asking me to come back, and I truly love Milwaukee and Southeast Wisconsin. It's always great to be at WTMJ. This is WTMJ Conversations. Welcome to WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. After 40 years in television, and 32 of them at TMJ4, Carol Meekins is stepping away from the camera. And Milwaukee television will never be the same. And Carol, you're not even originally from Milwaukee, but you are such a part of this community. <laughs> well, I feel this is the longest I have ever lived, Libby. So Wait, the longest you've ever lived? Uh <laughs> Well, maybe I need to change that a little bit. This is the longest place that I have ever lived. Thank you. <laughs> I think I'm still alive. <laughs> Wait, but you, you've really lived all over because your dad was in the military. Yes, dad was in the Air Force. And so I was born in, in California, but we moved from California. I remember living in Alabama, Kansas, Michigan, Illinois, Texas. I spent a lot of my grade school years. And then we moved to Turkey. Uh, that was before Texas. So we lived in Izmir, Turkey. So I have basically lived all over the world. (laughs) When did you get the bug that you wanted to go into broadcasting, that you wanted to go into television and be a reporter? Everybody has their own journey, but don't do what I did, because I had no clue as to what I was getting into. I honestly didn't. I was at home. I had majored in classical piano, uh, was a teacher, was teaching at, a, at an elementary, a middle school, an elementary school. And I thought, you know, um, they laid off all the non-tenured teachers. And I thought I could have done that forever because I loved teaching. It was a wonderful career. Very rewarding. Now, this was before things got a little crazy. Right now, it's a lot more challenging with, you know, the school shootings and that with uh, teachers. But, um, you know, no, I would have been a teacher forever, but uh, they laid off the young ones. So I thought, well, if that's what they're going to do, because I knew there were teachers that were worse than me who didn't care about the kids. No, at that, And I was very yeah. offended because yeah. there were teachers that would say, well, I don't care if you learn or not. I'm going to get my paycheck, which I find so repugnant and so offensive to even say that to a child. But I, I heard teachers say that. So I, I was very upset because I was very committed and, you know, devoted. But when I got uh, when they laid off all the probationary teachers on probation, then I thought, well, I'll try something else. And I thought I'd work on a master's in mass communication. So I did that um, and didn't know what I was doing. But I thought maybe I could do I saw people on TV and I thought I could do that. Maybe I could. Do- <laughs> it was just so stupid. And you know what? You literally Libby? saw people on TV. And well, said, I was watching I the news one day and I thought, huh, I wonder how you get those jobs. <laughs> Just being totally no no knowledge of what I was getting into, what it was about. And I really honestly thought I wanted to do this to meet people because <laughs> I was living in a little bitty town, living with my parents uh, in my 20s. Um, so I thought. I, w- I need to get – I should try to do that. I bet I could do that well. And the first thing my mother said was – my dad says, well, you know, you don't have the personality. <laughs> oh, thanks, You're kind of – you know, but he was right. I was very introverted, kind of shy. And I was sort of – you know, as you grow – I'm still an introvert, really, even though I don't come across as one. But I, my dad says, I don't think you have the personality. I think your sister is more suited for that. <laughs> so uh, – and my mother, I think, was thinking, oh, I don't think – you won't be able to get into that. And I thought, well, I'm just going to prove him wrong. So I ended up... Um, How'd you get the first job? My first job was I was 
conducting church choirs <laughs> in in St. Louis, a church choir, and I was in choirs. And there was a my principal had majored in music as well. I was at the Visual and Performing Arts School in St. Louis, so uh, she said um, she introduced me to a man who had a show called God's Musical World, and it was it was one of those kind of early morning public affairs show mm-hmm. that they used to air in the 70s. They don't do those anymore because now they use that to make money on. They don't, <laughs> they don't do these kind of uh, shows. But anyhow, all I would do is get on and introduce local church choirs, <laughs> and, and they would sing. They would come in every week, and then that's what I would do. And I would then talk about the next uh, song that they'd sing from churches all over the St. Louis area. So so, so you didn't really go to school to become a reporter or anything? Well, I did. When I went, went to mass communications, I did take TVR, and I loved reporting. I thought, oh, this is cool, because I knew I couldn't do anything technical. I remember the professor told me, you know, he, I remember he said, I could do better with my feet than what you're doing with your hands. <laughs> He was he was from down south, Riley Mater, and he was a, a marvelous professor. And he would really, I mean, he would just blast us when we were bad. But I was not meant for the technical world. But I thought he thought you could do um, talent. He said he yeah. did call it talent. So, and then I did uh, reporting. And you started out what as an on on the uh, scene reporter? Or? Uh, well, my first job was was volunteer. I worked for free for a year because you have to have a tape to get into TV. I didn't have a tape. I didn't have experience. So I thought, well, maybe if I could just go in and volunteer <laughs> at a station. And now they was don't. Was this like, a commercial station? Or a no, it was TV? an independent station okay. in St. Louis. And so I called up all these news directors. I kept calling up news directors, asking them. <laughs> I was just, I think back and I think, really, how lame were you? Uh, with my horrible college tape, which I thought was decent. <laughs> and I called them up and we, uh, and they gave me, um, they gave me, uh, they'd say, no, no, no. They, they, you know, nothing but rejection. I'd be calling up news directors. And one lady just said, why do you keep calling me? Leave me alone. And so I thought, oh. <laughs> but I wasn't deterred because I, I don't I didn't care about the rejection. So when did the yes come? The the yes came after I had applied for a public television job in Redding, California. And I saw something in when they had broadcast news and I thought, ooh, I'm gonna fly down to Redding. My parents gave me the money. I said, you know, it didn't say anything about a whole lot of experience and it was something I don't even know what it was. It was kind of a lame job. But <laughs> And it wasn't made, no money whatsoever, hardly, Libby. I should not have even applied for it. But anyhow, I thought, well, if they see me, they like me, they'll hire me. They'll like me. So I went, flew down there, paid my own way mm-hmm. for this public TV job and public television. And they saw me and they liked me, but they didn't hire me. <laughs> so I, I was out of the money. And then they called and said, well, I'm sorry. Or some, there was some lame reason about the job not happening or whatever. And so I was really depressed and devastated. And then that very day, I had sent my resume and tape to a news director in St. Louis at the station there, KPLR, and he called me and says, well, we don't have a job, but I just fired an intern. (laughs) He said, you can come on in and maybe help out in the station. I thought, oh, I was so excited, but I wasn't. So you've graduated from college. You've got your master's degree. Well, I did not have a master's. I was working on a master's. You're still working on your master's. Yes, but my major was piano. So where are you going with that? So he let me come on in, and I thought, well, I'm going to dress up like an anchor or a reporter. I dressed up every day. I was there early. I stayed late. Were you inspired by Mary Tyler Moore? Loved Mary Tyler Moore. 
one of my favorite favorite shows of it probably is my favorite sitcom of all time that too did yes. you find because you started in the 80s and i'm thinking oh you, absolutely you were, there had to be some inspiration everything about that okay. show everything okay. that was a big part of it all i right. thought and, so you thought you were mary tyler moore well i thought i could do something in tv i just thought i would fit that world <laughs> but libby you need to at least know something about what you're getting into because i had no clue but they just let me rip wire that was when the wire machines were sure. there and i would put them in the baskets and i would just be there for anything that was available. And eventually I worked my way up to $5 an hour working the assignment desk. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was so happy. I could not have been more happy because I had but other you jobs. on the air. No, I wasn't on the air, but I was just happy to be in the, in the door. <laughs> I was excited when I was in the live truck. Seriously, I mean, this is, yeah. this is the kind of person I was. I was like, oh, we're going to the mayor's office. This is neat. <laughs> And the cameraman's the... Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot right. of them are. They're yeah. tired and bitter. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, this, who is this? <laughs> they thought I was probably straight. But I was excited when, when we'd go to the mayor's office, when i get the truck with the letters. I was just delighted. <laughs> just as happy as a plan. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations... A man followed me home. Newly retired TMJ4 anchor Carol Meekins talks about an incident where she was stalked. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins. We're talking with newly retired anchor from TMJ4, Carol Meekins. So at what point did you end up on the air? How did that (laughs) break come about? (laughs) Well, what happened was after about a year of working for nothing, I think the news director said, you know, you've been such a wonderful person to have around the newsroom because I would do whatever they said. I didn't care what they asked me to do. He took me from the assignment desk and said I could be a weekend reporter. So as far as I was concerned, this was You made it. You oh, made it. I thought, ooh, I can be a weekend reporter. How exciting. And, you know, a lot of young people nowadays say, I don't want to work weekends. I don't want to do this. I mean, I'm, I was willing I won't to come work any time. I will come in on a holiday. They will. Right? Oh, <laughs> I didn't care. I think one of the problems today, a lot of young people want to say, oh, this is the only time I want to work. This is the mm-hmm. only market I want to work. This is the only thing. I want to do. No, I didn't care. So I was happy to be a weekend reporter. Plus, you know, you had more time to do your stories because it wasn't that constant breaking news. This was an independent station and it wasn't really as like your regular news stations that had a lot of stuff going on. We didn't even have a live truck. <laughs> so, so I remember one of the reporters who had come from the other station said, we're the fourth station in a three station market. <laughs> but whatever, it got me, it got me a take. Do you remember your first story? Yes, I do. It was a German festival in St. Louis called Strassenfest. And I remember, you know, stay, I was so scared of my stand-up, holding the mic and shaking. And so finally, the, the I think the photographer said, oh, you, you just don't get so nervous. Just just do it. I, and then I started to realize nobody's really looking. Nobody really cares. So. <laughs> I did a lot of festivals and fairs because they had a lot of those there, just like Milwaukee. In a so weekend, I, did, I, I mean, I did weekend, parades right? yeah. and festivals, yeah. and I did that for about a year or a year and a half, and I was just happy. So now you got the tape. And yes. where'd you send that one? Well, what I did was eventually the president came to town on the weekend. Which, yes. I want to say Mondale. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it was Mondale, okay. and, I, and I think it was a couple of times. And I did, I would do the presidential stories, and I would save those for my tape. Yeah. And then he says, you know, I'd like you to start doing the updates. I said, ooh, <laughs> I was so excited. And we, they, they do you like mean little updates. break in? No, it was yeah. just like there were taped updates. Like um, oh. this is this a couple of headlines. So okay. I would read those. At a robo camera, what we call a, a remote camera, and we had no teleprompter. This is how 
How lame. We, how, how It was just a station that it wasn't one of the dominant news stations. Let's put it that way. So she said, you can read the updates. And I remember I said, good morning, I'm Carol Meekins. This is Newswatch. And so I would read because we didn't have prompters. So I'd read them from paper, you know, and, sure. I, and I knew how to look yeah, up pretty script. well. Having read music, it was easy for me to do that more than probably most people. But when I finally did my tape, I memorized my Newswatch as though we had prompter. And that got me an anchor job in Alabama because I had applied for a reporter's job. And I was going to be the reporter, political reporter or something in Montgomery, Alabama. And I did that for a while. But they named me to five and ten anchor just from that Newswatch tape that I had done. That you had memorized. That I had memorized <laughs> because we didn't have teleprompters. <laughs> so here you are. You're in Alabama. You were the five, five and, the and ten, ten anchor. anchor. Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal. I was stunned. that that. Oh, I thought, oh, you're going to make me an anchor? And I was like, oh. I just, it didn't even occur to me to apply for an anchor job. But that's what they did with me. And it was a perfect learning experience. I'm very glad I got to do that. But I also, this was a very small market at that time. It was market 110. So I would do a story before the five and edit it myself. We had to edit it. And then I'd have to do another story in between five and 10. So I did two stories a day. I would edit the packages. And usually I was covering like the, because it was a state capital. So I would cover something political or something. But it's a good way to learn. Sure. And how long were you there? I was there three years. Three years. And, and did I, you look for a job or did they come looking for you? No, I loved it so much. I just loved everything about the job. And I remember, but usually when you're in the smaller markets, you sort of want to move on up. You know, you keep your tape. And then eventually, I think I got an agent. She was allegedly very hard to get. She rejected me the first time. And then she took me. And then I think she got me a job. I went to Richmond. Yeah, it was Shirley Barish. It was a lady. She's no longer with us. <laughs> but, so Richmond, um, Virginia, I mean, that's a little better market. Yeah, that was a much, yeah, it was a very nice market, very nice company, and I love that. So your career now is moving up. Yeah. And now you've got goals. Yes. You, you had to be thinking, okay, my life is not going to be in Alabama. It's not going to be in Richmond, Virginia. Where was it that you really wanted to be? Well, my ultimate goal, I thought, was to be in a top 20 and also do whatever. I don't have a narcissistic bone in my body. I don't need to be the center of attention. I kind of was, even though I kept anchoring all this time, I was not all that enchanted with it. I mean, I saw my face on a billboard in Alabama, and I thought, oh, this is cool. And then after a while, I didn't enjoy it because a man followed me home one night. And so that what was... Happened? He was just being uh, just a fan or whatever, just being, you know, he's being nice. It wasn't a... Uh, but that's still scary. Yeah, exactly. And that began to not feel as good when that man followed me because he had seen the billboard. And I lived in an apartment complex not far. And, you know, you're not making a lot of money, so it's not like I was in some gated area or anything. Mm -hmm. But And then I thought, ooh, it's just, you know, you're so out there. And in Richmond, there was a young lady who threatened to kill herself if she didn't see me. So things like that made me like, this is kind of scary. And the Richmond police called me and asked me to talk to Wileta. I'll never forget. So she won't, wouldn't kill herself. I'm like, well, and you spoke with her? Yes, I did. And, but she kept coming up to the station. What was station. that conversation like? I, you know, I don't even remember. I was so stunned. It was like late at night. Richmond police are calling me and asking me to talk to this woman who says she needs to talk to you. And it's like, whoa. And that seems so heavy. But then Wileta kept coming to the station and bringing me gifts. And then it got scary because she would see me and she would start to cry and shake. And that's when I thought, oh. With a situation like that, did you think at that point, maybe television isn't for me? 
No, you know, I didn't, but I did realize that this, there are a lot of disadvantages in terms of that kind of a thing. Because one thing, I never want to make anyone feel like they're not seen or heard. That's very important to me. And I talk to everybody. I give everybody my cell phone number. Because I think sometimes I'm learning that so many people are broken and there's so much trauma out there. If I can be just one part of not contributing to that and maybe lifting that, that gives me way more peace and happiness than any day that I've had. Oh, your outfit looks good. Oh, whatever. You know, that doesn't do it for me. So, and that's why I kept going, because I do know there's those kind of people that I've reached, and that makes me happy. Still ahead on WTMJ Conversations. They look tired, bedraggled, and it didn't look appealing. Carol Meekins explains why she said no to a network position. Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Let's return to our conversation with Carol Beacons. How did you end up in Milwaukee? Basically, I was in Cleveland for about a year. I went to Cleveland as a weekend anchor thinking, oh, only two outfits. And, you know, that's not the reason to base your base your, your your career decision. But I thought, I, I thought working weekends would be great because, you know, just the whole the whole stuff for women is annoying. You know, the outfits and this and the hair and the makeup and all. Uh. So I, I was very happy to be a weekend anchor. And then they promoted me to the week to the six o'clock after two shows. And so now you're the six o'clock anchor and you got to get three more outfits. Yeah, and then I was a reporter, which I mean, that was a blessing. So So did Milwaukee come looking for you or did you look for Milwaukee? My agent got me this. And before I came to Milwaukee, I was up for a network reporter job with CBS, I believe it was. But I always have known. I traveled my whole life. I have no interest in war zones, travel and all that. I never just That's not me. I don't want to want to be a network reporter. Mm -mm, Not at all. Now, I knew that. I don't like the travel. And I had been at many, many venues, many presidential, when the president came to town, big things, and they'd go, okay, what city is this? Oh, where are you, man? Uh, okay, where are that? And then they're mispronouncing the words, and they, they look tired, bedraggled, and just, it didn't look appealing to and me. And they were hearing the same saber-rattling speech over and over yeah, and over in every yeah, city. Well, yeah, it was just they had a big crew, and no one really looked overly happy. Or I think it's different today. I do think it's different, but I think back then, you know, just crews were just funneling in and funneling out, and they had a lot of people with them. And I didn't want to go to war. I don't want to go to a war zone. I'm not into that. So Milwaukee called. Or you my agent your they agent were interested. Said, okay, they're yes, interested. They were interested. So were you interested? Did you say, gee, Milwaukee, that sounds interesting. It's really weird because when I was working on my masters, I used to read about Ed Henshaw had written some things about the Milwaukee Press Club. And I thought, Oh, that's interesting. They have that up there, you know. And there, it was I think back then there was something on the press council. And I remember re- reading about that. I know this sounds strange, but in my mind I thought I bet one day I'll work in Milwaukee. I don't know why. I just thought this, it seemed like a perfect city for me because I'm kind of Midwestern. I went to high school in Southern Illinois. I'm not a big city, New York, California gal. And that's one thing I didn't want. There was a job open in New York that was very interested in me. It was the independent station there. And I thought, oh, I'll go to, <laughs> this, this is me because thanks to my mother. Oh, no, you'll get murdered, baby. <laughs> baby, don't go to New York by yourself. And I thought, yeah, I'll get murdered. And me being <laughs> The, the idiot that I am, I'm thinking, yeah, she's right. Now, now I look back, that would have been a great job to take. That was just stupid yeah. on my part. But I did. But I, you ended up here. I, yeah, I mean, I'm fine. This, this, this is pretty good. I'm very blessed. No, this is excellent. And I'm very, I, you know, very few people are have done this for 40 years. I was going to say, though, when you walked into TMJ4 the first time, 
did you really think I'm going to be here for the next three decades? No, no. I signed a one-year contract. <laughs> That's how, one year. <laughs> Mainly because I knew they had just fired. You didn't fired. buy a house, I take it. Well, they had fired somebody, <laughs> uh-huh. and then I knew better. I thought, ooh. I got in the cab, and the guy goes, where are you going? I said, I'm going to WTMJ at that time. And they, they said, ooh, I hate them. They fired Melody Wilson. I said, ooh. I think that was where I was coming in. I'm like, well, I won't be here long. These people are mad. <laughs> so I was ready. I thought, And nope. you had to follow that. Yeah. No, I knew. I thought, ooh. This is going to be rough. So, I, but I, they had told me about it, what? but I didn't know the extent. Okay, that, you know, and, so, and so. was it a rough first year for you? You know what? Not really. It wasn't that bad. You know, I mean, I people were people were very nice. Uh, the, I remember I was in one parade, and someone says, "I like Melody better," and I and then other people were quiet. That's not nice. That's not nice in the whole Midwestern thing. And I, you know, I said, "Well, that's good." You know, I'm sure she's wonderful or whatever like that. Yeah, so it it was a very. Now that I look back, how bold of me to to just step into that. Yeah. But I, but it it showed my ability. See, when you've been in the embrace of the military, you can change and evolve and transition and. You learned to tra- adapt. Yeah, I'm I'm not afraid of of changes, you know. So it was not that it should. A, a more thinking individual would have said no. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. I've gotten some nice calls, but they weren't jobs that I think they were worth leaving Milwaukee for. Carol Meekins, who was on TMJ4 for 32 years, talks about calling Milwaukee home. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. And I'm Libby Collins. Our guest today is veteran TV anchor from TMJ4, Carol Meekins. At what point did you begin to think Milwaukee's home? Well, they came to me pretty quickly after about a year and said, we won't, we'd like to extend you. And and then I thought, okay, because um, I really was tired of introducing myself to sales staffs. You know, they look you up and down. You know how they do women. And I was just tired of that, that crap. You know, you know, you have, you have to talk. And then and I thought, you know, maybe I'll just because my parents are, were closer. I was a driving distance. They were six and a half hours away. My sister live, lives in Chicago. I have two sisters in Chicago. And it was nice to be able to see family on Thanksgiving because for several decades, I always worked on holidays. Mm-hmm. I liked it because nobody was there. <laughs> I could do my own thing. And then I would go home after my family, be with my family. It didn't bother me. So, And I was single, so it was fine. But I actually it was when I met my husband. So he's from here, went to Nicolet, uh, never and went to Madison for college, but he, their family, they're not the people, people that just leave. don't leave this, yeah. this and town. I, no. And I think if you're like that, you're not, you just don't, um, I'm not going to pick him up at, you know, in your 30s and say, hey, let's go here, you know. And I, and I could have, but I just thought, this is, I'm, this is a beautiful city. It's, I'm happy here, so I'm not. Were there ever any temptations, though? I mean, did you ever get, in those 30-some years, 32 years, any really good job offers that made you think twice? There were a couple of times when people called me, like somebody called me from Phoenix about 
doing anchoring a show and doing health reporting and and I've been I've gotten some nice calls but they weren't jobs that I think they were worth leaving Milwaukee for no not nothing that I thought and I also have to admit I did not seek out jobs I mean in your early days you have we were like half tape we'll travel everything was for our tape <laughs> all right and now it's not even a tape it's called uh, you know it's all in digital but so you did it for the tape and your package that I, yeah <laughs> I, I just you want to keep your reel or now but now then I just got you know I thought you know, just let it be. You talked for a few minutes about being there for people, giving your cell phone number out, talking to people and knowing that sometimes you could make a difference. Is that how Positively Milwaukee came about? Well, yeah, you know, I can't take credit for that because that was Bill Taylor. who That was the brainchild of he started that. Bill Taylor, former anchor and reporter here, and just just a marvelous man, really a good family man, and, and it was, he was very immersed in the community. But what I saw, what what the only thing, the reason why I wanted to really take it over is because I, I would go home and my mother would say, ooh, Carol, don't go to the mall, don't go to the mall. You know, they're, they're carjacking, they're killing. They're, you know, she would watch the news and think that everything was so bad and that you can't go anywhere without getting shot or killed you know and i just think that perception is not true even in the in the heart of the city i you can go almost everywhere and not get shot and i want people i wanted people to see that there's another side it's like eating um every day you're going to eat steak Every single day. Well, at some point, you're going to need some carbs or you're going to need something, some fruits, vegetables, something sweet maybe. But you can't just have a diet of just one thing. And I think sometimes it, the news was making people – and it still is. I still talk to people. They live in Washington County. I'm not going to Milwaukee. I'm not, And that's sad because there's so much here that's positive and that's good. And people are ha- enjoying the city and they're fine. <laughs> you know, they leave fine. I kind of ask you about some of the experiences you had at TMJ4, the personalities you worked with. I work with wonderful people. They're lovely. They're smart. It's harder to be talent today because you need to be immersed in social media uh, and you have to give a lot of yourself. And if you look at my social media, I'm not exactly as active as I should be at all. It's just not, you know, I'm not of that generation. I'm a baby boomer. So and I think it's it's harder and I think it puts you in a different mindset. And I don't necessarily want it to be about me. And that's what's weird. And I know that I, it's just the opposite of what you should be. You know, you have to have a little bit more of that than I do. And I even had a news director say, well, if you don't want it to be about you, then you need to get out of the business. So I had someone who said that to me very blatantly. <laughs> what was your reaction? I just I just laughed. I said, well, that's just how I am, uh, you know, uh, because he kept wanting me to put myself in the stories and do this and reporter involvement. And I'm like, well, it's not about me. It's about the people I'm talking to, you know. So but I see the world today and it really that's what people are like and want. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. People only watch one side. And I think we have to look at all sides. Otherwise, we're doomed. Veteran TMJ4 anchor Carol Meekins discusses how social media has changed coverage of the news. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. I'm Libby Collins. Today's conversation is with Carol Meekins from TMJ4. Was news coverage better 
before social media than it is now? I think the world was better before the Internet and social media. I think what has happened is we've gotten in all these silos of our lives and we watch what we believe and then we don't see the other positions. I think when we when it was a day when everybody watched Walter Cronkite, you know, the 530 news or the five o'clock news, I think that was a better time because I think everybody and I think there was a respect and there was it bothers me now that people only they will only watch one one side and I think we have to look at all sides otherwise we're doomed especially in a democracy we cannot flourish so I don't think news news was better it was different and it's a different time and we can't change that why have you decided now to retire I look at the world I look at we are in my mind in the middle of a civil war I think we're on the cusp of World War III. I see the, war, the divisiveness and the, the unwillingness to respect authority and each other and the rise in everything from mass shootings to you know, I, kids, homicides. And I just find it – it's just a sad time to report on the world right now. And even though I get to do positive – I'm very happy about that – but it does take a toll on you, you know, if I'm, I have to admit, if there's a child that I've, you know, we've had a cover story about a child that's been hurt. And of course, I'm not, can't sit on the air and cry on the air. Have you, the news. have you had to fight but that? But at, at home, late at night, when I'm sitting there thinking about the day, then, then, I, then I feel sad but and when tears come. When you've been at the anchor desk, has there ever been a story that moved you to the point where you be at least approached becoming emotional oh yes oh yes many times many times but you just you know it's you just have to keep it in you you just can't i mean i think you know because i think if you start you know if you start to get emotional then you're going to get emotional about every every tragedy and how do you pick and choose you know what i mean and in terms of what makes you makes you hurt but what makes me hurt is when i see mothers mothers in pain it just destroys me it literally mothers who've experienced loss of their kids and um or just it it, it, it's just a gamut of sadness and you know i just feel that i wish there's a little bit more compassion and i wish more people felt that i can't take this we've got to do something i i think there's something that can be done out here and um and one of my beliefs and that, I'll tell you, Libby, one thing that's been deep in my soul has been the – I think we need to target trauma. There are so many broken people. There are so many people who are hurting. But we are not looking at childhood trauma and realizing that we have to do something about it and arrest it early so that these people do not become your next mass shooter or you know, your next person to – perpetrate homicides. I mean, I, th- I do think there are people that aren't heard, and there's a lot of them, and they come from all walks of life, races, cultures, beliefs, you know, and I think we need to make that a priority in our country, or in the world, quite honestly. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. I love all music. I will listen to anything. Carol Meekins reveals the song she likes to sing along to. Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. I'm Libby Collins. Today's conversation is with veteran TMJ4 anchor, Carol Meekins. What's your next step? You're stepping away from television after 
40 years, 32 at the same station, which you know in this business just oh yeah and being a happen. and being a woman are well, you that's kidding? the other part yeah i mean sorry but you know that you know the reality uh yeah no i'm i don't take and you life. still look good carol well i'm 67 and i don't and you do not look it well i i won't i you know i can't i take no credit for that because that's all genetics i don't I just now started to moisturize because I, I have noticed I don't I never have because I, I was never noticing moisturize? never never even thought about it because I just I don't know I just never did your skin is flawless by the way no but, but you know what well I've got some makeup on of course but no um I'm very my mother never really aged a lot you know either and so it's just that's heredity and people should not spend money on on all that expensive but what are you gonna do now you're not gonna have to go to the TV station you're not gonna have to. <laughs> Find outfits. <laughs> You're not going to have to put on makeup. See, that that is so attractive to me. <laughs> How are you going to spend your days? Uh, probably, you know, okay, one of the things that I miss is I majored in piano and used to practice hours and hours a day. I will get back into, I hope to get back into that, get back into something creative. I do think I need that. I was in a lot of musicals and operas before I got into TV. I was never the lead, but I was usually just in the chorus, which I loved was fine. And I like, I like the arts and I miss the arts. I used to perform. Will we see you on stage? See, I I have to admit that I'm not a. I, I've got so I can speak in front of thousands. I can do anything. I I'm very frightened when it comes to music. <laughs> it just it destroys me. <laughs> but I mean, once you once you study something like classical piano, yeah. I mean, but you I have to study it back. Well, I understand, but you could sit down and if we had a piano here, Carol, right now, and I said, Carol, play something that means a lot to you, that. You've studied for years. What what song would that be? What well, music would that be? I have to tell you, one thing's about anchoring, you don't have time to play. So you, I haven't played for a long Reach time. Reach back. But it would probably be something Beethoven. Beethoven's Pathetique, which was one of my, I think, I, one of my jury songs years ago. But I'd have to work on them all. Uh, Beethoven, Chopin, you know, uh, I used to play the minute waltz very well. Not so well now. <laughs> because it's the kind of thing you have to keep, you have to keep up with. I And I, I love classical music. But I love all music. I will listen to anything from country to rap to rock and roll. I, when you're a musician, you don't define yourself because you find beauty in all sorts. Of, and I listen to a lot of musicals and operas. So okay, so weird. when you're in the car alone, what's the song you belt out? That I play a lot. That you sing along with. That I sing along that with. You, <laughs> the one that really makes you say, yeah. Oh, I sing along. Probably I Will Survive <laughs> by Gloria Gaynor. Oh, I love that. Yeah. No, usually I will sing. I sing a lot with anything that has harmony. Any Karen, like I love Karen Carpenter songs. Uh, and my sisters call me, did they just say, you are the lamest black person I've ever met. Because <laughs> they make fun of me. Because all of my, my musician friends in high school, we would, you know, we'd go out on weekends and we would sit around and sing and play. <laughs> We would play Barry Manilow songs, and they thought, oh, and, and now that I think back, I was kind of, I was a little lame, <laughs> but it was you know that was that was what I, I we loved to do. We would sing and play and have fun, and you know we were, we were silly, but that was my upbringing, being around a lot of music and and music that a lot of people would say is schmaltzy or 
or what do they call it? They call you square or whatever, but uh, I don't care. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think you're square at all, Carol Meekins. I, I've loved watching you for years on TV. You, you, you are one of the best of the best, and we're going to miss you on the air. Um, well, you're sweet. Thank you. But, you know, there's I still will be here. And, and I, people are already asking me for to be on boards and do things. So I plan to do something. Exactly what? I don't know. <laughs> I'll figure it out. <laughs> We've been talking with veteran TV anchor from TMJ4, Carol Meekins. After 32 years on the air, we're really going to miss her. Now, if you joined us late and you want to hear our entire conversation with Carol, go to WTMJ.com and share today's show with your friends and family. You'll also find a partial transcript courtesy of eCourt Reporters. For WTMJ Conversations, I'm Libby Collins.